offer our condolences to family and friends and all of those who are gathered. <clears throat> and uh, I would like to say that I was, my, my heart was greatly, uh, it, it rejoices greatly to hear such a wonderful testimony of neighborliness uh, from the sister who shared. Uh, Christians often give Christianity a bad name. We often become, we, we are so sometimes um, connected to other misconceptions about what Christianity is that we become jerks and wet blankets and we become the moral police for everyone else rather than learning how to love our neighbor. I didn't hear one, and it's not to say that she didn't share her faith. That's, that's not the issue here. That's, that's not what uh, the second table of the law is about. It's not about passing out tracts. I didn't hear anything about passing out tracts. I didn't hear anything about enforcing her to come to Sunday school or picking up her kids. All I heard was a neighbor loving a neighbor, sharing food, sharing time, sharing a home. And so I am grateful. I am grateful to hear that a sister in the Lord demonstrated her love towards her neighbor. And that's a wonderful thing. Um, our churches are supposed to equip, and I'll say this also about Sister Rogers, because she was very much engaged in the world in which she lived. And so she, we would have political conversations about this, that, and the other, but she understood clearly where I stood on these matters, and we talked about our, the importance of being engaged in the community and making the distinction between what the church is supposed to do as an institution and what we are supposed to do individually. And what the church is supposed to do institutionally is produce brothers and sisters like that who know how to engage our neighbor and the world in which we live. And I am grateful to hear that. Amen. I, I want to look at a particular statement uh, because I'm, I'm a Christian. And I know there are different views on life and death. But Sister Rogers was a member of a Christian church, so I'm not trying to satisfy everybody's predilections about what death is and what happens after death. We're not here to talk about looking over people's shoulders, her looking down, or anything like that. We, I, I, I want to I, I be true to my faith and true to this, this sheep of God who looked to him for the salvation of her soul and who is presently, as her body is with us, her soul is with him. There's a statement in the book of Ecclesiastes that I find very interesting. In Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 2, it says this, It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For the end of all mankind and the living will lay it to heart. And basically, that, when, when it talks about the house of mourning, it speaks of a funeral. And all of the events that, and the trappings that surround a funeral. And when it speaks of, of the house of feasting, it's referring to a party. And the idea is, it's not saying that parties are not good. It, 
It doesn't imply that. As a matter of fact, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, it says that there is a season for everything that is under the sun and for everything that unfolds. And at the end of that verse, it says, and it begins to say, and it says, and there's a, there's a reason, there's a season for every matter that takes place in the earth. And it begins with this overarching statement, there is a time to be born, and then there's a time to die. And what follows is all of the things that can take place and that are appointed under the sun between birth and death. Interestingly enough, in verse 4 of chapter 3, it says that there is a time to mourn. And then it says there's a time to dance and to enjoy and to laugh. Now, in our text in chapter 7, it talks in verse 4, it says that the heart of the wise is made stronger through mourning. In, in the, or through the, in the house of mourning. But then it says that the heart of the fool is in the party. Now here's what I, I want to be clear on. When the Bible talks about fools and, uh, or wise and fools, it's not an intellectual, those aren't, aren't intellectual or mental categories. It's not saying the stupid and the smart. When the Bible speaks of the wise in Proverbs, we are told that, that the, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Not just dread of God, but reverence for him. Reverence for God is the beginning of wisdom, so therefore the wise are those who are plugged in to God. And the foolish are those who have no concern for God. So here's what I would argue, that, that therefore part of one of the features or characteristics of the wise is to know what is appropriate for every given season. One of the characteristics of the foolish is to do something that is not necessarily wrong, like laughing, but not appropriate to the season. See, see, see in other words, the wise, they know when to cry, and they know when to laugh, and they know when to dance. Here, here's just an, I just want to throw this out there. One of the failures of contemporary Christianity is that we have become foolish in the church when it comes to funerals. Because the scripture says here that a funeral is characterized by mourning. And there is a place for sorrow and weeping. That's appropriate. And something about the season of a funeral that enables you to deal with life outside of the funeral. But here's where the foolishness comes in. Tell me if you've ever been to a funeral where somebody says, and you have a corpse down front, and some idiot who hasn't read a Bible says, this ain't no time to be sad. This is a joyous occasion. That's foolishness. That's foolishness. And the wise know how to respond appropriately to the season. But the foolish try to laugh when it's time to cry 
And they oftentimes weep when it's time to laugh. Here's what the writer says in verse 2. Doesn't say that it's not good to go to a party. But he says it's better to go to a funeral. But the heart of the foolish is always reflecting the party. But here's what I find interesting. That Solomon, whom we give credit for writing this book, says that what takes place in a funeral, in essence, is something that is common to all of us. He says that it's better to go to the funeral than to the party because what the funeral is addressing is common to all mankind. So here's what my, my question is. What is it that should take place in a funeral? That, that, that is good for the soul and that makes it better than a party. I would argue three things as, as it relates to the Christian funeral. What makes the Christian funeral better than a party is that the Christian funeral should be able to address the real cause of human death. What's the real cause of human death? I know what the death certificate is going to say. Because I was with Sister Rogers in the hospital, and I went with her in her home, and she told me what her diagnosis was. And here's what it will say, that the cause of death was cancer. And that's what the medical profession would say, and that's, that's, that's all they know, that's all they can diagnose. But a funeral tells you that the real cause of death is sin. The wages of sin is death. So when you come to a Christian funeral, we, we, we may say, well, they were killed in a car accident. Yes, that's true. But cancer kills and car accidents kill and, and stray bullets kill because of sin. The cause of death, the ultimate cause of death is sin. And there is a backstory to sin being the cause of death. The reason the cause of death is sin and is, is because death is first and foremost theological and judicial. It comes from God, theological, who is a judge, therefore it's judicial. The wages of sin is death. It has been appointed unto man once to die. So therefore the cause of sin is because the, the God who is judge has determined that sin itself is to be punished by death. Then brothers and sisters understand this. That doesn't mean that if you stop sinning, which you won't, you'll stop dying. You see, when we talk about the cause of, of, of death being sin, then what we're saying is sin is an inborn condition. 
The reason it's common to all is not because all are as wicked and as immoral as the next person. But the reason it's common to all is because you were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. And therefore, it's inescapable. The funeral is better than the party. Because the funeral recognizes that death is not because because of the community or neighborhood in which you live. But the ultimate cause of death is sin against the creator God who is judge. But here's the second reason. The funeral is better than the party. The funeral gives you the cure for death. A Christian funeral is the only place that you will get the real cure for death. And it's not vitamins. It's not cryonics or cryogenics where you can freeze your body and figure out the bio. No, no, the cure for death. You say, well, wait a minute, you did say that the wages of sin is death, so if I stop sinning, and and here's what Christian funerals will tell you, you can't stop sinning. And even if you did stop sinning, you are still owed death for the sins that you committed before you stopped. So what's the cure? The cure for death is faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Not to believe that he was, that Jesus of Nazareth really lived. We know that. We don't even, you don't even need a Bible to know that Jesus of Nazareth lived. He had pagan neighbors that said he lived. He lived. But here's what Christian funerals will tell you. That Jesus of Nazareth was the only begotten son of God. And whereas you were born in sin and shaped in iniquity, Jesus of Nazareth was perfect. Who lived according to the law of God and did not sin in thought, word, or deed. But he died, she said. Yes, he did die. But he did not die for his own sins. He died for the sins of others. He said, well, that's easy to say. Yeah, it is until he rose. And brothers and sisters, his resurrection affirmed everything that he said. See, even if you didn't believe it before, the fact that he got up from the grave and took the time to fold his grave clothes is the exclamation point on everything that he declared. And here's one of the things that he said. If anyone believes in me, He shall never die. And his resurrection punctuates 
that truth. But then he could have stayed up from the grave and took up residence in Nazareth and we'd all be journeying there to see him. Brothers and sisters, remember the cause of death is the judicial act of the sovereign creator God against his sinful image bearers. So Jesus, who lived for our righteousness, died for our sins, rose from our, for our justification, ascended to the right hand of the Father to present himself in a body that is sinless. Therefore, there is the righteousness that God has required of us and in a body that is wounded. Therein is the penalty that we owed but could not pay. So here's the cure for death. If you believe in him, if you acknowledge that you are a sinner under the just condemnation of a holy God, if you believe that Jesus of Nazareth is the only begotten Son of God who lived for your righteousness, died for your sins, rose for your justification, ascended to the right hand of the Father to intercede on your behalf, if you believe that you've cured death, you're cured. You're cured. But then finally, I think the heart is made stronger in a Christian funeral because it speaks to those who are in Christ. Remember, and it's very clear, even in the text, that the funeral celebrates the dead, but it's for the living. And so therefore, the Christian funeral speaks to that living believer and it gives you the real comfort of knowing Christ as your cure. Here's the comfort. Brothers and sisters, we see a body whose soul has been called away. And so as you saw her last, before the coffin was closed, that's not how you'll see her again. Here's what John says. It does not yet appear what we shall be. But as he is, so we shall be also. Paul says in 2 Corinthians that, that this outward body is perishing day by day. And then he continues that thought. He carries over into chapter 5 and he says, but when, not if, but when this earthly tabernacle is dissolved, we've got another building, not made by hands, but eternal in the heavens. Once the curse has been removed, Comfort for those who die in Christ is that to be absent from this body is to be in the presence of the one who created us and redeemed us. And what it means 
is that all of our pain and all of our failures are no more. And even if the Lord should delay his return for a thousand years, those who die before his return are in a state of soul bliss that goes beyond anything that we can conceive of. The comfort for those who die in Christ is that it only gets better. Now here's what the scripture says. That strengthens the heart of the living who are wise. But the fool whose heart is in the party is trying to deny this sting and trying to escape this inescapable reality. But God's word says it's better to go to a funeral than it is to a party. Doesn't say don't go to parties. But it also is implying don't try to party at a funeral. Because the heart of the living are made stronger by looking face on into the real cause of death. And the heart of the living are challenged so that they would mourn at what they ought to mourn at. So they can see the real cure and be comforted by the Lord of mercies. I pray that our encounter, as we come together to say goodbye to our sister, I pray that it has been a strength to your soul and that you have been made better by being here than even the party that you may go to tonight. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, we come to you in the blessed name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanking you again for your tender mercies in him. Thanking you again for the newness of life that we have in him. We are here because you have called this, our sister, from our presence. But the sorrow and the memories are evidence that she lived to your glory and made connections with those that you placed her around. Therefore, the grief is real. But we thank you that her faith was in your son. Therefore, even as her soul rests, we pray your mercies upon those who mourn. Let them mourn not as those who are without hope, but let them mourn those who do not know. We pray that they have been awakened to what is behind death and how to escape it. 
Thank you, Father, for your grace that is in Christ. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen.